This is a HeadGum Podcast. Universal FanCon is a brand new convention coming to the Baltimore Convention Center in April of 2018. FanCon will be a round-the-clock event featuring comics, cosplay, gaming, celebrity guests, music, and more with a focus on diversity and inclusion. Get your tickets now at UniversalFanCon.com because geek is universal. Hey, this is Steph Firewell. Join me by weekly at the Lemonade for all things nerdy and geeky, giving you all the sweet and sour notes from the nerd world, as well as my own special commentary to make this blend lemonade just right. Follow the Lemonade at Audio Boom, SoundCloud, High Bean at the Points of Interest Network, and I'll see you guys soon. This is Corey Bowles. You're listening to Black Girl Nerds. Hi, this is Rachel True, and you are listening to the Black Girl Nerds podcast. I'm Marcus Scribner from Blackish, and you're listening to Black Girl Nerds. This is Sanai Sydney, and you're listening to the Black Girl Nerds podcast. My name is Idris Elba, and you are listening to the Black Girl Nerds podcast. I'm Hannah B. Blair, and you are now listening to the Black Girl Nerds podcast. I'm Gugu Mbatha-Rua, and you are now listening to the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. Hi, I'm Tessa Thompson, and you are listening to the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. tuning into episode 136 of the black girl nerds podcast my name is jamie and i am your host this episode is titled 12 strong and come sunday two films and some amazing guests the first segment features actor bay trevante rhodes he's currently in the film 12 strong which you can see right now in theaters nationwide and he sits down for a one-on-one with Joelle. In our second and third segment, this took place back at Sundance. The film comes Sunday, featuring actor Condola Rashad and filmmakers Joshua Marston and Marcus Hinchy. That's a one-on-one with KB. Thanks so much for tuning into episode 136 of the Black Girl Nerds podcast. 12 strong and come Sunday. Enjoy. 12 Strong is a 2018 war drama film based on Doug Stanton's nonfiction book, Horse Soldiers, 
which tells the story of CIA paramilitary officers and U.S. Special Forces, in addition to USAF combat controllers sent to Afghanistan immediately after the September 11th attacks. The film stars Chris Hemsworth, Michael Shannon, Michael Pena, and Trevante Rhodes. So how are you doing? This movie was everything to me. Was it? I usually don't like war movies. I freaking love this movie. That's thank you. Thank <laughs> yeah. you so much. That's amazing. No, Twelve Strong was really great. Um, I know the script's been circulating for something like ten years. It was something, yeah. How do you become involved? I was gifted the opportunity because I mean, I was, when you know Moonlight started to, to be a thing, I was uh, was reached out by by various people, and I got the chance to meet you know Jerry and, and Nikolai, and we talked about stuff, and they they asked me which one. They gave me the opportunity to be a part of the movie, and so I was like, yes. So, now, you're playing a real-life person, mm -hmm. but it's my understanding that mm -hmm. the initial crew was completely white. Is that right. It? Right. So, does that factor into how you portray your no. character in real at all? Like, because, again, like, the hopefully the most important part that you take away from the film is the unity and the love. Mm -hmm. And, I, again, like, I think I literally just had a conversation. I just, I said that I think it was kind of smart. Or kind of cool, rather, to, to cast outside of race simply because it kind of pushes for the identity of what the film is. Like, why are we judging like that? Like, that's like what we try as a collective to get the world to understand that totally. this isn't what matters. Like that, that you know, that you know, that's what matters. Yeah, uh, you were talking in a press conference about um, ditching a warrior and a soldier and mind versus yeah. heart yeah. going into these kinds of situations. Uh, speaking of heart, uh, in the movie, Milo gets a boy assigned to mm. him to essentially keep him alive, which is, I think, the most horrible. Like, I don't want a child ever be in charge of any part yeah. of my life. Um, it was really yeah. stressful. Uh, but you worked so great with the kid, and it was amazing. What was it like working with a young actor? And, and kind of, I guess it seemed like you were his bodyguard by yeah. the end of the film. That's what it's, yeah. I mean, it was awesome because, again, like, during the, the whole Moonlight Press, Every week I would hear Marshall speak about how amazing it was to work with a child and work with Alex. And so mm -hmm. I was looking for that opportunity. And then again, like this came across my desk and I was like, yes. You know, and then we got in space with the kid and he, I mean, Arshia, he's, he's awesome. And he's so like bright and, and, and mm -hmm. you know, it's amazing. So it was, it was a really cool experience to work with a kid and to impart knowledge. You know? <laughs> what kind of knowledge did you impart? Well, to just him? like, I mean, what knowledge do I have at this point? But just, just focusing on like working like put all the other stuff aside you know, it's, it's it's about being the best you can be is he a professional actor or he is yeah he's done oh, some wow. other like he i think he worked more than i had at that point i was like well what am i telling you like you know <laughs> you've only been acting for like six years right not even i don't think i'll take it i think is the, 2014 your first short concert? my first yeah i did a when i was in college we did this we did a short film that i guess came out maybe uh yeah but so I guess 2014 probably the first, the start, the official start. Okay, all right. 34 years. So, I mean, obviously you're getting involved with like major productions and things and, mm. and you've gotten to work with like, you just worked with Ava DuVernay, so yeah, you're man. cream of the crop She's beautiful. kind of stuff. She's amazing. Yeah, she is. Um, you know, money and all this other stuff, but what is it about acting that is fulfilling for you? Man, you know, it, it sounds silly, but so whenever you give... And this, it's not the same thing, but whenever you give charity, you know, if you're gifted the opportunity and, you know, you give to, to a charity, you give to somebody that needs it, not, you know, 
you see this like appreciation in their eyes. That's the most genuine appreciation. And that sensation is the most addicting thing. So whenever I would see people come and speak to me about how Moonlight affected their life, I would first thank Barry. And, <laughs> you know, and then I would just like, man, that's, I don't know. Because I feel like when you have the opportunity to affect someone in a true way, and and they're honestly like affected and you've kind of helped them dictate a way of living that is better for them that's that makes me better you know what i mean like so i'm addicted to like growth i'm addicted to being a better version of myself a better person than yesterday you know so is this something you look for in your scripts because it seems yes. i'm seeing it i'm seeing it yes. and I, I really appreciate it so what, what's the first thing you're seeing in a script that you're like man i gotta i gotta get this role i gotta participate i mean it, it at this point, like it's about because after after this last you know amazing kind of production I'm, I'm currently a part of and I have the opportunity to, to work on, it's been like you're always growing your guards expanding. The more you see, the more you know you look. And so I've just been gifted the opportunity to be early in the process and to work with a great filmmaker who helps you kind of cultivate the story. And so when you get to the opportunity to be the number one in a film working with a, a great director and a filmmaker, you get the opportunity to kind of cultivate your viewpoint, cultivate a story that you think is is impactful and could be impactful and, and entertaining and all these things. So that's, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm gaining the opportunity to, to speak to filmmakers who, I, again, I'm, I'm, I'm just like, I admire and hope to have the opportunity to work with. And we're just speaking about things that we think is, is not important, but valuable. You know, wisdom and, and also entertaining. You know, because that's, again, that's so important. Uh, wisdom and entertaining describes Family Feud for me. <laughs> there's a lot of, there's Absolutely. a lot happening. It's uh, incredibly late. It's maybe the most layered music video yeah. we've had in a minute. I heard Ava DuVernay called you. What's it like getting that phone call? It was amazing because, you know, I was, I was told that, you know, she was going to give us a call someday. And, you know, I was in New York at the time and I was, you know, walking around New York doing what people in New York do, I guess. And I get this call. I missed the first call because I'm, you know, reading or whatever. And then I call it back. I'm like, ah, I think I missed the call. Ah. <laughs> you know? Anxiety. So, yeah, exactly. So I call it back. She's like, Javante. And then we have this conversation. And she basically asks, or she says that I'm, I have this opportunity to, 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 you know, to work with people I care or want to get to know or I care to get to know. And I'm curious about, uh, would you be interested? I'm like, yes, you know, what do you, yes, of course. And then she tells me who's involved, and obviously it's a, you know, Jay Z and Beyonce, and like, you know, amazing. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, we do the thing. So I think the number one gift after that video comes out is the fight between you and Michael B. I have, man, that's what I was just told that, and I was like, really? <laughs> of course, of course. It's, it's yeah. not out of the light crossing uh, B's face, but. What is, is there a lot of coordination through that fight scene? I mean, it's a short one, right? But it, there's a lot of emotions happening. I think that was just you know, Mike is a is a is a cool guy. He's a good cat and he's a good actor. So it's like you get in the space, obviously Ava and, and Tandy. So you get in the space with these people who who kind of have an idea of what they want, and then we just listen to Ava. And she's like, "Well, I think it's this," and then you give her what she wants. So it wasn't. I mean, there was a little choreography. There was like, "All right, you get hit." You land somewhere over here, and then we want to end here. Mm. And that was pretty much what it was, and they just let us play. Is it ever, like, intimidating? Because you're with Danny and Michael B. Jordan. Michael B. Jordan's been acting since he, like, first drew breath, and yeah. Danny's been doing this for forever. I mean, what's it like to kind of 
you're way past rookie, but it's just still yeah. it's so fresh and these giants of the industry. What's it like? I know who I am. Okay. And you know, I'm gonna be the best. I wanna be the best. So I wanna work with the people I revere as being great and you know, respect and so I can grow with them and then, you know, hopefully progress. Were you the best horse rider in twelve strong? Ah, uh, man, you know, I I wish I could say that, but no, Austin <laughs> I bear, man, there was but it wasn't because he used to like train people. Mm. Oh, well, you know, that's so that's exactly. So <laughs> uh, I'll take top liar. three. We just throw him out. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Right. So top three. I'll say top three. Did were you working with uh the same horse or were you guys? I did. I got the chance. Like my horse's name was Blondie. You know, and so the horses that we trained. Yeah, I know, right? The horses <laughs> that we trained on and the horses that we shot were or shot with were the same. So it was it was good to kind of develop that relationship with them. And so we had, like I said, maybe two I mean, two or three weeks of, of, of uh, training prior mm-hmm. to shooting to kind of like really, you know, get involved with them. You guys shot for what, 40 days in? I think so. Yeah, like in know. Afghanistan, in the mountains. Well, in New Mexico. In New which Mexico. Is basically Afghanistan. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> we'll take it. <laughs> what? It's similar conditions to Moonlight. And like, uh, Barry was the first under, it's only a second like uh, feature. It's shoestring budget, it's mm-hmm. fast in and out. What is it like for you? Like, as an individual to be kind of dropped in these situations and then almost as quickly kind of be pulled out and to go back to regular life. I mean, that's the job. Yeah. And I I love it because, I mean, again, like, it's so educated. Like, being an actor is probably the most educational, like, job. It may sound strange, but the most educational job you can have if you really do your job Mm -hmm. because you, obviously the goal is to be convincing as this person. And if you care, you do as much you digest as much information visually, what you know, sonically, whatever you have to do in order to feel like you can be this person, you know. And so you learn so much about this person through your, you know, through your perspective, through your view. You know what I mean? So it's like you get to, it sounds whatever, but in many ways you get to experience life through this way of living, through your perspective as well as the perspective is the person of, of the person as you're playing. I think it doesn't need all. If you're actually being a person for yeah. you know, 12 hours a day for 40 days, you know, 40 days, there, there's a lot of um, stuff you're going to interpret from their lives and mm-hmm. then you bring back into your life. What did you bring from then? Just, I mean, because thankfully, you know, I, I was gifted a, you know, a mother who, who brought us up a certain way. So a lot of the, the same tropes and the same attributes that it takes to be a warrior it for I guess that's kind of funny, but we were gifted that you know in my upbringing. So well, you it was were more, black and yeah, this is, this is true. This is true. This is true. This is true. So it is very yeah, absolutely. Totally you know, right. and so just it was just an enhanced version in many ways, but also developing you know the you know the identity of being a soldier and living that. Definitely. Uh, do you consider yourself nerdy? I mean, I have to at many times. At many times, yes. I mean, I think all, if you're if an actor is being honest, mm-hmm. we're just a bunch of geeks because we, you know, we just want to pretend, you know. Totally. Uh, so you have Predator. Uh, you have Predator coming up. Mm-hmm. Uh, is there anything that you can tell us about the set, about your character, mm-hmm. about uh, the reactions you're hoping to get out of that film? I hope, man. I can tell you. I can't tell you too much, but I can tell you. I can tell you, Shane Black is a genius. And Shane Black is is an amazing person to like share space with. He's so smart and so funny, mm. you know what I mean. And so to be able to do films where, but then there's like this underlying truth within that film, and it's the most interesting thing because it's the world obviously that it's in is the Predator, 
with this Shane Black comedic kind of filter, also rooted in something very honest and very, you know, like personal, very, you know, character driven, which is the, I haven't seen that, which is why it was so exciting. He's, he's like clenching his fist right now. He's really uh, yes, he's man. It's, 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 I'm, I cannot wait to see that film. I'm so excited. We got we get to go back and, and do some reshoots uh, for like, I don't know, like two or three days. Mm -hmm. But I don't know, just to be around the guys again, to you know, be in that space is going to be cool. I'm excited. So, well, thank you so much for talking to us. Really appreciate your time. Thank you. Come Sunday is a 2018 drama film directed by Joshua Marston from a screenplay by Marcus Henchy. It stars Chiwetel Ejiofor, Martin Shane, Condola Rashad, Jason Siegel, Danny Glover, and Lakeith Stanfield. The film made its world premiere at the Sundance Film Festival on January 21st, and it's scheduled to be released in the U.S. on April 13th by Netflix. So um, tell me a little bit about, I guess, kind of any advice that your mom gave about being a black woman in this business and kind of what to take forward? You know, it's interesting, like, my mother never really gave me, like, advice as to how to be a black woman in this business. Mm -hmm. She more so just gave me advice as to how to be true mm -hmm. to myself in in life. So it was less, like, specific as, like, as a black woman, this is what you're going to have to do it. All of that was encompassed, I think, in her, in the way that she raised me, um, which was always about finding ground, mm -hmm. like staying grounded and, and rooted. And work ethic was a big thing in my household. And I, I learned a lot from just watching her. She was, we always have had a really, really great relationship and we had, it's funny, like we have similarities in, in our personality, but then also we're very different. And so I feel like sometimes she would not tell me things because she knew that if she told me, I would probably do the opposite. <laughs> so then she was like, okay, like, I'm not going to say, you know, but just by watching her live, I think is that's, that's, that's a good way to put it. By watching her live, I learned how a black woman can, can move through this world just by watching her do it. <laughs> you I know, think that's good as parents to kind of let your kids figure out mm -hmm. what they're going to do. Absolutely. And guiding them, but still letting them make their own mistakes because realizing that like, Hey, it's something that you're going to just have to learn through experience a yeah. lot of times. Absolutely. And she protected me too as early age. Like I know I always knew that I was, I was, I was an artist at a very early age, but she, my first way of expressing that has always been music. I was oh. trained in piano for about 10 years. And so that was, that was my outlet growing up. And I knew that I was going to act in my life. Uh, I personally wanted to study. I wanted to train because I watched my mother and there were certain things, technique where I was like, no, I want to, I want to know how to do that. I know some people don't need, some people just go, I'm just going to do it, which is fine to each his own. But I was like, no, no, I want to train. I want to like, I'm going to do this. I want to. I want to go all in. I want to learn. I want to, um, but so when I was growing up, you know, she, I was around her. And so I got to learn the ins and outs of what it takes to be an actor on stage and film memorization, all of the assets, uh, as the facets of, of being a, a working actor, I did learn. Um, but she was very adamant about like, you go play soccer, like go like do other <laughs> do stuff. You know, play piano, and then when you graduate from high school, if this is what you know, then go major and do whatever. But 
growing up, she was very much like, just go outside play. <laughs> like, allow me <laughs> the opportunity to seek out other things, too. Like, just to enjoy life and get be well-rounded. Yeah. Like, it's the best yeah. Yeah, totally. Awesome. Yeah. Okay, so um, just talking about Come Sunday, what I like about your character, because you portray Gina Pearson, and what I like is that she's not the typical first lady. You know, like in the black not. church, um, a lot of times, and I really hate to say this, but like the first ladies are, are almost an afterthought in a sense, mm-hmm. um, and they don't have a lot of their own voice. But mm-hmm. Gina challenges um, Carlton in a lot of ways and she also challenges everyone around him and she's not really afraid to say the things that that other people are unwilling to say because he is uh, in this position of power mm-hmm. um, so tell me first I guess did you get to have any dialogue or interaction with the real Gina Pierce, Pearson before um, and then also um, kind of what did you bring to it that's just your own what did you bring uh, to bring this character to life? Oh that's a great question <laughs> okay so Everything that you just said makes me so happy because everything that you took away from it was what I was hoping to convey. And it was what the answer to your question in terms of whether I was in connection with her. Yes, it's what she also was hoping in terms of what she told me the experience was that it be captured. And so it makes me very happy because um, in reverence, I wanted to pay homage to this woman who I find incredibly remarkable and so to to be able to share her story and have it be connected to what it really was is like okay good okay good, okay, good. Um, but no so I met with her so basically what happened was when I got this film you know Chiwetel was there amazing Chiwetel good lord but so and Bishop Pearson was there and we were in Atlanta oh yeah no we worked with them Bishop Pearson was on set okay. he was a part of our research he gave hours and hours and hours to our filmmaker and 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 and, and writer so everything was very very close um but my thing was is like okay so where's Mrs. Pearson and it wasn't like there was no malice or anything it just was it just it's very similar to what happens in the film where it's like because Carlton is this it can very easily be like okay so but where's but where is Mrs. Pearson, though? So I went to Tulsa. I flew out to Tulsa, and I sat down with her, and I got to know her and spent time with her and and heard what her experience was. And that was, I'm so glad you said that, but this was her experience where she knew what she was getting into. Um, and so her biggest concern with the film was that, and when she voiced it to me, I was very moved, and I promised her that I wouldn't allow it to happen. Not that it was there, but just, you know, things can slide. And so I was like, I won't allow it to happen. Her concern was that she didn't want to be portrayed as a victim because she never was. Mm-hmm. She was like, I'm not, I was not a victim of circumstance. I wasn't, lo- I, it, it, at moments, yes, I couldn't see the light because it was difficult. But I knew, I, I chose this, I, the life that I had, as challenging as it was, is the life that I chose. And so to me, you know, I can't say that I would have made the same decisions, but I respect even though they're different decisions, I, I respect someone who's like, look, this is what I chose to do. I'm, I own my life and, and it was challenging. And she walked in there and, you know, she was, she was a little bit of an outsider. She's from New Orleans originally. And before she married Bishop Pearson, she was working like in the political world at some point, you know, so she had a whole other, um, life a whole other life. And, and, and so she, genuinely was drawn to this man really and this is it's interesting is it we kind of do touch upon the film where she says you know we do love each other but this was essentially an arranged marriage right and she touches on that which is like 
that's how she felt because it was like, well, but again, she wasn't dragged into that. That was a choice that she made as well because for her, it was about this man that she did genuinely believe was very close to God. Mm -hmm. And so her purpose, she felt purpose and like, well, this is the, you know, I don't, I don't even know him that well yet, but we will learn and I will, and I, this is what I want to do. So again, whether, you know, any other person watching it would make a different decision, that's fine. But I, I love someone who says, well, this is what I, this is what I, this is what I chose. And I had these children, these beautiful children. And, and I think what was really difficult for her and I think was a lot of people in that congregation didn't quite see her the way the film portrays her. I think a lot of people thought that she was like, maybe she was like jealous of the attention that he was getting and, or, or wanted to be more. And even we had conversations when we were, when I was going over the script, because I think there was a general understanding of like, well, she just wanted to be more a part of like the decision-making of the church. When I met with her, it didn't seem that way though. Because I didn't play it that way. Yeah, I was like, it didn't seem that no, way at all. She wanted, she, she joined wanted more a union. Of a relationship with him. She wanted yeah. a relationship with him. And she supported everything that he did. But can you imagine? And it's so funny, it was really moving to me because I met with Bishop Pearson too. Mm-hmm. And he told me all this because this is all in retrospect. So he's like, oh no, I've learned a lot. This is the 90s. Like, I, I, I have also evolved with the way that I deal with my wife and the way that I support her. Like, and I, I realized that I was not quite listening and I wasn't quite there in the beginning so it was a really moving experience and not awkward but you know she she like when you talk to Bishop Pearson and everybody has this experience when you talk to Bishop Pearson you literally feel like you can just like anything that you're like I just want to share this he has this effect he really does and he's so there with you so I can only imagine what it's like being the wife of someone who's like that with everybody else. And then when they get home, they're so tired that it's like, look, I don't know. Good night. So it's like, like she feels shut out. Yeah. And they have the capacity, I think like towards the end of the film to be drawn closer together Mm -hmm. just because obviously like the circumstances changed dramatically. Right. So he lost a lot of his congregation. It's a downsize in their personal and professional lives. Yeah. She had to take a new job just to support the family. And I think that could have been a moment for them, you know, to come together just a little bit closer, but he was still, I think, wrestling with everything that happened and really trying to figure out like how to be this new version of himself. It's almost like he lost a little bit of his identity. Yeah. Because so much of it was wrapped up in in, being this bishop and this pastor of the church. And so he was just kind of trying to figure out what to do next. And he still shut her out. Yeah. And you're like, man, but now's the time where you guys get, and and I love that you said like now that they're on a, a different path because now we can kind of see the air of his ways and they can kind of talk through mm-hmm. a lot of things. But like during the film, I mean, I was like, man, now's the time to really lean on her. And, and this yeah. is what she wants too, yeah. to be she, able to have that. Yeah. Like, this is what she craves. Yeah. So it's a, and then like, it's interesting because they're still learning each other. Like all of a sudden it's like, it, these, it almost to me when I was watching, I was like, oh, this is interesting. Cause it's like, these are still two people who are married with children who are still, there's like an air, not really. Like yeah. there's still an air of like, okay. <laughs> and things are like, you know, they go out on a date and then it's like, well, I didn't get up on the right foot. Like, it was like an awkward oh, date. Yeah, it starts off as a celebration and then it declines <laughs> rapidly and you're like, okay. Okay, well, they tried. Right, but I mean, you know, but they've also at that point been together for at least five years. Yeah. And so you're like, wow, mm-hmm. we still just like, yeah. 
not in sync. And she's a very independent person. She is. So that that congregation didn't quite know how to handle someone like that. And they wanted, she even said to me, which I think was, there was a few times that we captured it, but the the way that, like when we were shooting it, but you know, she, she would say, cause in the footage of of the actual footage of Bishop Britain, she is on the stage often. Like she's right beside, right where uh, in the film where, where she's sitting. That was real. She would often be right there. And people used to be like, she's like, so like her mother, you know, she she would sometimes not be smiling. Mm. And so to me, what she was saying is like, you know, so now people have this vision of me that I was this like, you know, really. And, but really she was like, I was real. We had had an argument the night before. So I'm not going to, I wasn't going to sit up there and smile because we had not dealt with what, what it is that we needed to deal with. So I sat there, but I'm not going to like, no, <laughs> I appreciate that. About yeah. Her. She was like, I'm not doing that. Look, I'll be here. I'll support you. But we have personal things that we need to work out. And until we do like, I mean, I'm sorry if I don't, if I'm not smiling at this moment. <laughs> and a lot of times it felt like they wanted her, especially like with Henry's character, right? Because mm-hmm. like Henry, um, he comes over unannounced and he's asking how their marriage is going. Right, which is also is, very, that's like, very awkward. <laughs> like, she's, she's like, like, what? Uh, <laughs> she wants to say it's none of your business. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, you can look at her face like, it's also none of your business. Sure, but also, I like that she says, but you already know. So yeah, like, you came here to ask for, you know, um, answer to a question that you already have. And I like that because Henry basically is kind of pushing her to be someone that she's not really. Yeah. Like you need to just talk to him and make sure. And you know, so I would probably have for one more question. Oh, sorry, sorry, no, sorry, no, I love it. No, three more minutes, three more minutes. That's the only reason I'm here. Sorry, three more minutes, three more minutes. But I love that, like, he's trying to push her into this box and kind of make her do this thing. And she's like, you already know that. The two of us do not operate in that space. And what she said about that, she said, particularly, (laughs) she said, you know, so before when everything was fine, I I was not a part of the equation. And then when things went south, everyone was Mm -hmm. like, so, uh, Mm -hmm. she's like, oh, now, now you don't want to ask me. Now you care about my opinion. Now you want to ask me. And now you want me to like do something. Mm -hmm. She's like, you guys aren't really concerned with the health of my marriage. No, you it's about the image. Of, yeah, yes. so she was not, had, oh not really gosh. having it. Oh my gosh. Okay, <laughs> so sorry. <laughs> and her birthday is two days after mine, so oh, really? we're both Sagittarians, so I got, there's something about her, I was like, oh, I got you, I think I got you. Like, I understand. I understand you, I, I understand feel you, because I, I would feel the same way in that situation, so. So is that what, I mean, I guess, kind of what experience did you take away from it? Because you talked a little bit about uh, Bishop's interaction, and when I went to um, see the film, the director was saying that, like, he was like, wow, the first time he met him, he thought, well, if nothing comes of this, it doesn't matter because I had the experience of my life. Yeah. Did you walk away from this film with those same sentiments? Oh, I, I walked away. I'm, I'm oh, pleasure. Oh. I, I walked away from this feeling so honored and so empowered because, one, professionally, yes, of course, it's an amazing project to be a part of, but really, personally for me, I, I'm not religious. I don't have a religion that I belong to, but I'm... I'm spiritual, very much so. I always feel a very deep spiritual connection, and I have uh, respect for both people that that are of faith and both people and people that don't. I have respect for whatever it is, but I I do feel very strongly about the connection to the divine, whatever that is, universe, God, energy. I I, I have a strong connection, and so to me, what's so amazing about being a part of this film is anytime I can be a part of a story that imparts to other people that. Every individual as a human being has the right and the ability to have their connection. That you don't need permission from anybody. You don't need permission from an institution. You can have that. That to me is like, as an actor, 
aside from like, oh yes, as a performs as a person, that if I can be of service in that, then I will always come to table. Yeah. So that, that's awesome. Uh, yeah. yeah. Oh, I love yeah. it. <laughs> so thank you guys. Um, again, I'm with Black Girl Nerds, and just thanks so much for chatting with us. Um, you know, I saw the film. And uh, it's really great. I actually hadn't heard the American Life uh, episode, which is really interesting because I actually love that podcast. Right. But I actually had not heard the episode. Um, so tell me a little bit, I guess, about like how you guys found the episode and kind of what struck you about the episode so much you really felt like it needed um, to be a film, that there needed to be a film adaptation. Oh, you start since you come up on it. Well, I, uh, for me, uh, the first time I listened to it, about 15 minutes in, I, I knew I wanted to write the picture if they'd have me write the picture um i was struck by uh somebody whose voice i'd never heard anything anyone like him before he um in the this american life piece they play some of his older um sermons mm. and he had this ability to um seamlessly um roll from scripture which is incredibly um uh, educated in uh, he, to using some kinds of anecdotes um, that were often very humorous and self-deprecating. At times, it's like listening to Richard Pryor. I mean, it's just <laughs> so engaging, and it was so defied my understanding of the evangelical movement, which I knew very little about at the beginning of this process. I will say, seven years later, I know a little bit more about it than I did, and then from there, could just seamlessly rally the band and the choir into this incredible song and by the end of it bring back the original point that he was trying to make 20 minutes ago and and so within the first 15 minutes or 15 20 minutes of the episode i knew i wanted to write the film even without knowing actually how the story unfolded so that's 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 my coming to it yeah i mean He's a truly unique individual with a level of charisma and presence and love and openness that you don't almost ever encounter. Mm. Um, after I met him the first time, I felt like I, I, it's like people say, you know, Bill Clinton is, has this special thing that, like, you're the only person in the room, and, you know, it's one in a million or ten million people who have that presence. You can't can't train to have that presence. It's just is who he is. He's genuine and honest and loving and open. Um, and that comes through. So it was the combination of that, as Marcus was saying, with the intellectual idea. Uh, what does it mean? Why do we have hell? What function does hell ex- exert? What happens to religion when we take the idea of hell away? Um, all of those were really fascinating questions for me. And you had mentioned, because I actually went to the screening this morning, and you you had mentioned that kind of how, like, when you um, when you met him, it basically was like, even if this goes nowhere, like, I've had the experience of a lifetime, it feels like. And I interviewed Condola, and she said the same thing. She was like, when she met him, it was just something about his spirit. That, like, yeah, yeah, she was like, it's, it, she's like, I can't really describe it, but it's something about his spirit in the way that he just automatically can see you without even really knowing you. And kind of makes you want to open up in ways that you just are like, wow, I just met you. I can't believe that I'm sharing certain things about myself. So um, that comes across very well in the film, especially in the first scene when he's he's on the airplane and this woman who is a stranger, but she's clearly going through a lot of life struggles. 
um, he just talks to her and kind of shares a little bit about his experiences, but lets her lean into that. Right. And so it's really interesting that you guys say that, like, in real life, that's exactly how he is. So, I mean, when you guys decided to do this film and everyone was like, okay, you know, it's definitely happening, how much... Of, of a part did he play kind of in, in bringing this into fruition and like on set and um, how much with the script and things like that, like how many conversations did you guys have with him uh, in order to bring this to life? Tell us. Uh, I mean, the, but, yeah, I mean, I think that Josh and I both had the instant reaction that as soon as we heard it, we both wanted to make it. Um, and I think that I came to depend on Carlton to write the script. And had I have not had that level of openness, the hours and hours that he gave me, and obviously he's revisiting an incredibly difficult part of his life. And so you're asking somebody to open up and share their stories of their marriage, of their uh, children and their worries for their children and losing an entire community and friends and to have to relive that and then be questioned about that and really have to look at that is incredibly difficult for him. But for me personally, I could not have written the script any other way. I just wouldn't be equipped to write the script uh, any other way. So. It's, it shows so much too, because in the film, you get a sense of how much of like going to seminary and, and kind of having this life is his identity because when he loses everything, I mean, he really feels like he doesn't have anywhere to go. And so I was telling Condola that I, I like their relationship one, because it's a very true adaptation of what happens when you um, are kind of in this, they say like an arranged marriage with someone who, you know, may not necessarily be on the same page with you in terms of how business is ran and, and the church is a business, right. To a degree. So like they don't necessarily always agree on that. But um, there are times where she is just looking to him as just a husband for them to really interact together as a couple yeah. outside of the church and to just have deeper conversations. And when he loses his identity, I think it's within that process that he learns how to come to her um, mm -hmm. just a little bit more in that way mm -hmm. and be able to do that. But you see him doing that a lot with his male friendships. And so at first you see it a lot with Henry. And then when Henry leaves, he is like utterly broken and then, um, obviously, uh, when his friend Reggie, yep. with Reggie. So for me, I think one of the best performances is Lakeith's because he's really, really struggling with, like, how could God abandon me for being who I am? And it's a brilliant, brilliant performance. So, um, and there are tons of brilliant performances, obviously. So um, how did you guys get these uh, actors and actresses on board? And how did you know that, like, you know, this was it? Like, they're definitely the person that needs to, to be in this role. Each one of those. I think so. Josh can ask. <laughs> 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 Do you want some water? It's not open. It's right with you. Thank you. Um, you know, we felt we were very lucky that you said yes. And she was an incredibly powerful performer. And in addition to being a powerful performer, he's very, very smart. And so he really engaged in all the intellectual aspects of the script. And so he he really wanted to dig into thinking about the theological components as well as the emotional components. And then once we had him on board, um, it became very easy to attract other talent. Uh, I mean, I can go through all the actors, but since you mentioned Lakeith... Um, for me, it was his performance in Short Term 12 because he's so vulnerable um, and has such big eyes and is so open 
And I just, I knew that that would be really critical um, in making the audience sympathize with him and feel for him. And Condola, you know, I worked with on my last film. And she, she came in and she read a scene and she was phenomenal. I mean, it was, I mean, I was ready to cast her without. Without anyone else. So she just got the complexity of the character just in, intuitively. And then was excited to put in the research time and go to Tulsa um, and spend time with Gina and and really get to know the character. She was so excited. It was incredible. So I will say that when Josh called me and said that Martin Sheen had agreed to play Aura Roberts, I I don't know if I said I had to hang up and call him back or something, but I was just... um, Like, every member of this cast, like, you know just makes the writing look good, like better than it really is. And, and, and across the board, but you know, Martin Sheen as, as Aura Roberts, we would, I, I was on set for some of the shooting. It, I just, we just sit back and watch in awe. Yeah. Yeah. How they interact. They really are like father and son when they interact in every scene, like, and you see it very clearly how much they both respect and kind of honor each other. Um, yep. You know, even in the midst of, of the adversity, and even in the fact that they're on two opposite sides, because you know he doesn't believe him, right. uh, and he doesn't believe in the doctrine that he, um, you know, is, has kind of come into based on that conversation that he has with God. Right. But then by the end, he's like, "Man, but you're my son, and I can't like envision life or doing this without you because I do feel like." you are a special human being and you're called to do this. So they even reconcile, even though his own relationship with his biological son doesn't end in the same way. Mm. He almost has like a second chance and a redemption with, um, with Bishop that he he didn't get with his own son. And so it's really unique to see how that, you know, kind of plays out between the two of them. But um, I know that the intellectual aspects and even their spiritual components, obviously for both of you were of interest. So I guess my question is like, what did you take away from the entire experience? Because obviously going in, you probably had like one thing in mind. And then after you had spent countless hours kind of talking to Bishop himself and um, developing a relationship with him, then what, what came out on the other side? I'm just curious. I don't know. I feel like I have a great new friend. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I just feel really fortunate that I have this very close relationship with this very, very special man. And um, feel very fortunate that the movie came out the way it did and that and, and the people are responding to it. Mm. You cannot predict how people will respond. Mm-hmm. And it's a very, very tricky subject matter and we gave a lot of thought and conversation to which side of the debate the film would lean towards and is there a way mm. to have the movie be quote unquote neutral or unbiased or is it by definition pro Carlton and and, and thus taking a side. Um, and if it is, how can we still honor, honor the, the fundamentalist yeah. point of view so that, yeah. because I, I think it's best encapsulated by the feeling that Pentecostals that I, and I think also Marcus had conversations with that they come, they completely disagree with his theology mm-hmm. and yet they completely love him. Um, and it's not unlike the way they view sin, that they will say, we hate the sin, we love the sinner. 
Um, and that's what they bring to their point of view with Carlton, is mm. that they mourn the loss of him and the community, um, and they fundamentally, completely, utterly disagree with his theological position. And yet at the same time, in a heartbeat, talk about how much they love him mm. and how much they miss him. But that sort of gets to a question, a fundamental question that uh, Chiwetel has at the end of the film, is that why is it so frightening to us, the concept of unconditional love? And the very thought that people like, people who are very, very close to Carlton, who we spoke to, Joss spoke to at length, um, had a kind of unconditional love, which was they completely disagreed with where he had gone. They worried for his eternal um, salvation, mm -hmm. but they love him as dearly as they ever had. And to us, to me, I'll be very honest, that was a very alien concept going into this film. It wasn't something that I had come across in my life to be so so adverse to an idea of somebody else's and yet have just that level of unconditional love for them mm. was wow. something that... Um, if you talk about experiences or how perhaps I have grown or changed in the process, that was a real, um, that was a real eye opener for me. Um, but can I add one thing about um, the, I think there's a, there's a, there's a, something that Chiwetel and Carlton share is that they both are obviously intellectually brilliant, both of them, but they're both so curious. And I think it's Carlton's curiosity that, um, led, it ultimately led to his epiphany, mm -hmm. which is that he's such a brilliant scholar and, and understands the Bible so well. And, he, and so part of his rise and when he was at the top of his game was part of his curiosity about understanding. And yet that very same curiosity led to his, uh, let's call it his epiphany. Right. Um, and tell the same. I, I was fortunate enough to sit in with rehearsals mm -hmm. with Josh and the conversations between Josh and Chiwetel were so, so incredibly charged with curiosity and just trying to understand what they're talking about each other. And so there was a lot of, I think, curiosity drove a lot of the process. Am I speaking out of turn in, in terms of that? I, that was my experience of watching him work before he was shooting. And that makes sense, too, because you do get a sense of Carlton's curiosity throughout the film, especially when he you know, um, realizes that he's going to get a lot of pushback, so he spends that time alone. Yeah. Where he goes away and he spends a period of time alone really to just seek and find out and, and make sure that he actually heard the voice of God uh, before coming back and saying, hey, um, undeniably, I know that I heard the voice of God, so I can't recant anything that I said because this is the experience that I had and I just don't feel comfortable saying that I didn't because I know it to be true. But even still, he's, he's kind of wading through that curiosity. I mean, that's very true and kind of yeah. searching... Uh, because it's hard to to be completely rejected by those that you you love for an experience that honestly transformed his life, but in a great way. Like he was so excited about sharing what that transformation was, yeah. and then to not have the type of reception that he was hoping for, was expecting almost. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it, that's true. He was expecting it because he wasn't expecting anyone to say, "Wait a minute." this is not doctrine and right. we're going to leave you. Like he wasn't expecting to kind of end up at the bottom, honestly at all. He was expecting to still grow because that was also a goal for him. And so he even says at one point in the film, like when his um, wife suggests like, Hey, like maybe we should just scale back. And he's like, what scale back? 
I've already done that before. Yeah. Like, why would I take these steps backwards? Right. And I right. need to. So yeah, it's really, um, it's really interesting. And so I, I knew very little about him going yeah. in, but I think that you guys did a great job of just kind of rounding him out. And also, um, on the side of neutrality, like you were saying, kind of keeping it, um, where people can make their own judgments, like in terms of like what they actually believe, because there are some people that will see the film and not believe that he had an experience with God. Right. Um, right, the progress. Right, right, exactly. And then there are people that will emphatically believe that he did, and there'll be a bit more curiosity about that as well. But so, um, thank you. Yeah, thank you. I'm so glad that you liked it. Yeah, yeah. yeah, thank yeah you I, guys too. so much for, for it's chatting. Nice to talk to someone who's so thoughtful about it. Oh, thank you. I yeah. appreciate that. The Black Girl Nerds podcast is produced by Jamie Broadnax. Various episodes are edited by Jamie Broadnax, M.R. Daniel, and John Bauer. The opening theme song to our show is written and performed by Samus. Various instrumentals are performed by Samus, Sky Blue, and Shubzilla. You can find episodes of the Black Girl Nerds podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play Music, Stitcher, Art19, and Spotify. That was a headgum podcast.